Hello and welcome to In A Different League, the official podcast of the original fantasy football game. We're your hosts, me, Chris Pilau. And me, Jessie Parker Humphreys. And here's what's coming up this week. We react to the first double game week of the season and look ahead as the fixtures start piling up in Premier and Fantasy League land. Barry Eyre joins us to talk about his long-standing relationship with Fantasy League and everything he's been hoarding over the years. And Neil Mansfield from Head Office is back to talk everything under the hood at Fantasy League HQ as we remind you listeners what puts us in a different league. Chris, big double game week this week. How did it go for you? It was a double game week. It didn't feel like a double game week. You know, a respectable 11 would be, would kind of like be an OK score for an, for a single game week, I think, for me. But that's what I got across the two. And I'm still in third. I did actually miss out on a few points as well. I missed out on five because I didn't do my super subs on one of the days as well. But 11 is OK. How about you? Mm, I got six, which is better than I've had in some recent weeks. But I'm really, I am still first. But I'm clinging on. Just. There's now five points between our top four. So it's Great. really got, much like the Premier League title race itself, it's really got very, very exciting all of a sudden. And really, Ma, I should take credit for that by, you know, not just running well, away with it. Well, for allowing allowing there to be a bit of competition. <laughs> yeah, listen, I met Alistair Campbell yesterday, so I've got to get my spin in here. You did meet Alistair Campbell yesterday. You were drawing the Women's FA Cup. I mean, there's not too much, I was going to say, kind of, I hear you got accused though of of um of rigging the the, the FA Cup draw, but you can confirm that there was no rigging. This is your platform saying that there was no rigging, uh, but that but what a brilliant thing to be involved in that. Yeah, it, it was very cool. And Alice Campbell was there doing another podcast. He wasn't actually involved in the draw, but that would have been a very iconic pairing, I think, of me and Alice Campbell. Uh, it was it was one of my other podcasts doing it. But yes, I was I just, I wasn't really accused of rigging it per se, but there was there's just this attitude that obviously if your team gets a draw that's slightly different to other teams. All hell breaks loose on Twitter. But I drew Chelsea away at Blackburn in the practice. And then we actually got West Ham at home. And I think that's a better draw, to be honest, even though West Ham are technically the better team in the women's game. I just thought going to Blackburn in the second weekend of January. That sounds like a long trip. Yeah, this way you can you can stay local and you can concentrate on your fancy league team. Exactly. Well. Exactly. That's that's very important. Um big Premier League weekend we had though in general some some fun games in in there. I think for me the Villa Arsenal one was sort of a personal highlight to enjoy watching. Both of our normal teams had again a poor weekend. Yours probably more frustrating than mine. Oh, yeah. It was frustrating. It, it was especially frustrating, obviously, because Palace went 1-0 up and, and could have got something out of that game. And, you know, Liverpool are doing what Liverpool are doing. Liverpool aren't playing particularly well. I don't see a corner with Palace. I don't see it changing. But I do see a, a few fixtures coming up where Palace could get a few results. But I would still stay away from those Palace defenders, I think. And obviously, Jordan, anyone who owns Jordan I will be disappointed that he's that he'll be suspended now as well. But yeah, Chelsea... What's going? I mean, what you can say what's going on at quite a few clubs and kind of like the same clubs, mm. Man United as well. Um, but there were a few surprise results over the weekend. I think it's okay, guys. I skipped the Chelsea men's game to watch Chelsea women get battered instead. So you know, sometimes this just got to lean into it being an awful, awful weekend. Um, I think one of those teams where you're a bit like, what's going on? Is is Spurs actually? Because great result for them comprehensive win over Newcastle and they're first up 
as we look ahead into game week 16, they've got that eight o'clock slot against Forrest, who are in this strange position where it's like Steve Cooper's going to go imminently, but he hasn't gone yet. And I feel like that makes them quite unpredictable right now. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, we we do talk about these other clubs as well, you know, like Man United and and Chelsea. And Tottenham obviously went through this sort of like rough spell recently because of their injury list as well. But you lose track of actually what a bad team is. And, and Forrest have not been doing well. Forrest have been a bad team. I think sort of like it looks like, I don't know, one of those situations with Steve Cooper, like... Does he want to leave? And maybe I'm saying that as well because I wouldn't actually mind if Steve Cooper replaced Roy Hodgson eventually at Crystal Palace. <laughs> but yeah, Forest v Tottenham is the Friday uh, eight o'clock game. And and if you look at for Tottenham now, their next next few run of games: Forest, Everton, Brighton, Burnley, Bournemouth. It's not until March that they're going to play a team below them in the league. They obviously are quite high in the league, but that they're, um, they're actually about to go on a really good spell here. They'll start to get some of those players back. Christian Romero was back over the weekend against Newcastle. I don't know, you know that. I think it it it, it would have just been a blip, really. What 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 Tottenham went through. Son, obviously, the longer that they can keep hold of Son, because he's going to disappear as well. But I think that um, it could be time to target these these Spurs players again if you did let any of them go. Yeah, and I guess Richarlison, sort of an interesting name that feels like has popped back up as a. Mm as a, a player who potentially is worth looking at. He obviously got two goals in that Newcastle game and is someone who feels like might be in certain leagues a free agent given the time, his bad form and the time he spent out. Yeah, exactly. And as a Kulusevsky owner myself, Kulusevsky got a few points. He's so frustrating to watch, by the way, from like as a fancy league manager because he does all the right things. He stays on, he never comes off. He's on it right until the end, never gets subbed off, which is great. Starts, great. He's always in all these attacking positions. It's just his final ball, which is what you need as a fantasy league manager. Your final ball needs to be an assist or a goal. And he lets me down quite a lot uh, whenever I watch Spurs. But, you know, but there are enough chances going forward when Spurs are playing sort of like their five-man attack or whatever it is, um, that there will be lots of chances. So eventually some of them will be goals and assists, but... God, there could be so much more from Kuzovsky. Anyway, Saturday, three o'clock then. So there's no 12.30, but there are five fixtures at three o'clock on Saturday. I know we, we, we brushed past Chelsea, but I do kind of want to talk about Chelsea. I want you to talk about Chelsea, Jesse, because Pochettino, I get it from, from, from Roy Hodgson moaning about Palace fans sometimes being like, look, you need to be realistic and, and, and realise where we are and who we are as a club. But I don't think that, Chelsea should be saying that, you know, that Pochettino should be saying that about Chelsea. Chelsea aren't playing in Europe. He's talking about delving back into the transfer market now. He's saying that he needs to remember who we are and what we're going to be doing this season, basically kind of preparing Chelsea fans to finish in mid-table. The fact that I, from a fancy league point of view, the fact that I bought Thiago Silva early in the auction and then let him go and haven't really regretted it at all kind of says something as well. Chelsea spent loads of money. I've never really thought Pochettino is a great coach, to be honest. And actually, and I will let you, you actually do whether you defend him or agree <laughs> with me or say, not. But I'll just finish by saying, down. <laughs> I'll just finish by saying that Chelsea could also be fooled into thinking that they've got some good games on paper coming up because it's like Wolves, 
uh, Luton. But these are pl- teams that have been playing really well, who really coached uh, well and will be playing really well. I mean, obviously, Palace coming up as well, but Fulham as well. I don't know, Chelsea could be in a bit of trouble if they are not already. The floor is now yours, Jesse. Yeah, I think this Christmas period is going to be really, really interesting. I mean, also within next Tuesday, Chelsea have Newcastle at home in the quarterfinal of the, the League Cup. And I do think it would be interesting if Chelsea were potentially able to get a result there because I think we've seen in the past that good cup runs can really sort of paper over the the cracks for teams. I think about, Mm. you know, I know Ten Hag had a lot better season with United last year than than he's having this year, but I do think winning the League Cup was like a a really big moment for him at the club. And I think if Potts was able to achieve something similar, um, I like him as a manager. I think when he's talking about sort of the fans being realistic, I think... Chelsea have an issue which is that for years it was always like as soon as something went wrong you sack the manager you get someone new in you buy a really big name and that's not the case anymore like that's not what this ownership want to do they're spending loads of money but it's more and they're spending lots of money on like sort of individual players but it's in a very sort of scattergun way compared to maybe the way Abramovich looked at doing it and you're right like this run of fixtures on paper, you think, well, Chelsea should be getting 12 points from them. But in reality, you've got a Sheffield United team this weekend who've just changed their manager and won. Wolves away, and that's on Christmas Eve, which is already just feels controversial. Palace and everyone, just knows, everyone knows I love Wolves. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Palace just after Christmas, the Chris Pilau, Jesse Parker Humphreys derby. Yes. And then Luton away, which that feels like a massive, massive banana skin even though Luton are probably one of the teams we've you know Luton and Fulham are the two teams we've really comprehensively beaten this season but yeah you really feel like Pochettino minimum has to get 10 points from these games otherwise it's gonna hit sort of fever pitch but it just feels like yeah right now it's just so strange because a month ago it felt like Chelsea were sort of ready to turn this corner and the international break just seems to totally sent them back. You know, Reese James is now going to be out again for absolutely months. They've had all the discipline issues, which means everything's sort of getting chopped and changed every week in terms of who's available. And yeah, Poch talking about going into the transfer market. I, I miss the days when we had a transfer ban, to be totally, totally honest. So yeah, it is like, it's very hard to see how sort of this turns around. And I think the reason he's spoken about the fans is because I think he needs the fans sort of to create an environment. Like Stamford Bridge has become such a toxic place, which doesn't help the team either, I don't think. But again, this Christmas period, if you can string a run of results together, things do change very, very quickly because everyone has so many games. But I think the home game against Sheffield United is going to be so, so crucial because if Chelsea don't win, like it feels like all hell will break loose. We won't talk about Chelsea forever, but I'll I'll finish by saying, obviously, it applies to you as well, that the the pressure is mounting on Christopher and Kunku with every passing week as well. That, like, everyone's... Because everyone keeps saying, oh, and Kunku will come, and Kunku will come in, and it will be almost like it will be okay. But we don't know if it's going to be okay. We don't know how well he's going to play, how quickly he's going to settle as well. But obviously, you'll be hoping that he does for two reasons, Chelsea and for your fancy league team. Uh, There are four other (laughs) games taking place on on Saturday at three o'clock. We we won't talk about them all, but Bournemouth against Luton is an interesting one for fancy league. Bournemouth are playing so well. Obviously, we know that they just beat Man United. Um, But the way that they're sort of pressing high energy... Thrashed Man United, please. Yes, absolutely thrashed. 
Um, but they're playing Luton, who you know, who haven't been great, you know, haven't been getting the results at home, even if they've been they've been playing quite well and building up quite an atmosphere. Obviously, they're away here. But those players I mentioned a few weeks ago, Andros Townsend and Ross Barkley, starting to play well. Maybe uh, you know, I said that I, I used, I'd be tempted by that sort of player in the past, but they're starting to, to to show promise there as well. And Man City against Palace. Firstly, I do think Palace could actually frustrate Man City, especially if Haaland isn't playing the way that Man City are playing without him. It's almost a bit cliche that, you know, without Haaland, kind of like reminded why they why they brought him, that sort of cliche of like them sort of like skirting the ball around the box and not really knowing what to do with it. And I think Palace could frustrate them if it's a classic Roy Hodgson performance, but we'll have to wait and see. But I do also have to apologise to Pep Guardiola, by the way, because I criticised him last, on the last pod for dropping Rodri and Grealish without realising that actually uh, he didn't. And it was just the fact that they were suspended for the game. But I also didn't really put it past Guardiola for doing something weird like that. So maybe it's more a reflection on him. Uh, and I do have a list of players in front of me who are suspended for the next game week, which includes Bruno Fernandes for my team, uh, which I'm, well, I'm not really that bothered by because he's not getting that many points. But anyway, four other games are at Saturday at three o'clock. We could be here forever, but are there any there that kind of tickle your fancy or, or should we move, over or move on to the, to the next game? I just wanted to touch on Newcastle-Fulham because Fulham have obviously had this incredible, incredible week, you know, the winning 5-0 against West Ham over the weekend after a big, big win over Forest as well earlier in the week. And we've seen Newcastle can ship goals. Uh, they have obviously this big Champions League focus and then plus this sort of League Cup quarterfinal that I just mentioned against Chelsea as well. Feels like this could be, you know, with a Fulham who are really high on confidence, obviously even that, that Liverpool game, which they did they did lose, you know, they they were almost at the point of winning it. And I think this could be one where maybe Fulham players, again, I know we've touched on this before, are definitely worth taking taking a look at, given that it feels like they're just on this really, really strong run of form right now. Yeah, Raul Jimenez is obviously the obvious shout there. I say obvious, he still doesn't exist in our league. No no one's got him, which is mad. For doesn't exist. Like Fulham. <laughs> I know, but he doesn't. <laughs> uh, you know, Fulham's basically main striker and hasn't really ever been mentioned, doesn't come up, you know, didn't come up in the auction, hasn't come up in any of the transfer windows that we've had. and include, I mean, he probably will go for loads of money. He will exist from January. But he's having a great time. Four goals in his last five games. And, yeah, so if you're the same as us and, and you, you haven't targeted him, then then I would bring him in. Because Fulham, Fulham do are actually playing really playing quite well, quite well as well. And then 5.30 on Saturday, Burnley against Everton, the Sean Dyche derby. Everton are back. Yeah, which obviously I have to like really emphasise more because then if I say that loud enough, it makes, you know, the Chelsea, well, you know, Everton are great. Of course Chelsea lost to them. Oh, of course. Uh, but they do feel like they're, they're in a really good place. And I think we said this when the points deduction happened, like Sean Dyche is just the man you want there for, for exactly that kind of, Thing I don't know if you saw there was a news story in the week that Pontypridd in Wales could potentially have like a hundred and forty-one point deduction, and I saw someone tweeting like Dyche would still manage to stay up in the yeah. league. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they really feel like uh, a team who who are on the up right now. Whereas Burnley, despite I guess uh, having some better results recently, they got a draw with with Brighton over the weekend. But everyone scores once against Brighton. That could be a big Everton win, I imagine. Yeah, and there'll be lots of people who've picked up those Everton players now, and you kind of expect that Decore and 
Calvert-Lewin, Jack Harrison will pick up points for Everton going forward. But it, you do start to wonder now with Everton as well. You know, there used to be a time in Fancy League where you would have some Everton defenders. You know, Everton kind of like finishing in the top six, seven, eight when they when they used to. Um, but is it a time to start reconsidering some of those defenders? Is it a time to start reconsidering Pickford, perhaps? Um, on to Sunday, three games at two o'clock. Villa away to Brentford, Brighton away to Arsenal, uh, West Ham at home to Wolves. I mean, those those uh, first two goal, first two games, all three of them maybe. Kind of, I think a lot of goals coming there. Uh, we do need to talk about Villa again, how well they're playing. I mean, they're 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 going to be a squad who are completely sewn up in terms of fancy league. You know, people will now have got two Aston Villa players each, uh, or near to that. I think. Although I do see that maybe as like a negative thing. Villa's form could be negative for Fancy League because of how well Emery is using his squad. You know, he's got quite actually quite a lot of squad depth. There were some big players that didn't even make an appearance against Arsenal over the weekend. And that can be frustrating um, in Fantasy League if you've got sort of like a really good player, a really good Villa player, and then he's just, he's not in, doesn't play at all. I'm thinking like players like, well, you have it with Moussa Diaby, right? Leon Bailey went off injured in that Arsenal game, if I remember exactly. correctly. Exactly, so that's the sort so of things that you're looking for, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, woohoo, Mr. Hoffman. But like, then he didn't do anything. And my, the other Villa player I picked up was Matty Cash, who's also been rotated a lot. I do think it will be interesting to see how Villa cope over the festive period. I know this week they had two incredibly tough games and to take six points from, from City and Arsenal is fantastic. But I did think in that Arsenal game, they looked like tired and I think mm. you know they did really really well to to hang on to that result because they were hanging on to it at points and my only concern for Villa will be whether there is a lot of rotation going on but is there going to be enough players over this really busy Christmas period to, to keep that level of intensity up yeah and let's see if they can if they can kind of prove everyone that that their away form isn't as bad as as people think, um, Brighton away to Arsenal. We kind of mentioned again that you know that stat is now up to twenty games in a row that they've scored and conceded. Again, not great for fantasy leagues. You've got any Brighton defenders and West Ham at home to Wolves. West Ham aren't playing well. It's like they're starting to look like they've they've suddenly realised that Declan Rice isn't there anymore. There's just so much space in midfield. Quite poor defending. They're not really look that organised. It's quite strange for for David Moyes' team. Obviously, they're they're playing in Europe as well. Again, go back to Chelsea. That's what annoys me about Chelsea as well, is that Chelsea aren't playing in Europe. They've actually got an advantage. They're not uh, taking advantage of. But, um, yeah, we get it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but West Ham also need to find some sort of solution and perhaps use uh, James Wall-Prowse a bit more if you want to be harsh. I know he picked up points, but maybe he needs to be the absolute focal point for West Ham. I thought he might be when, when he joined. Yeah, and obviously, just to finish off the weekend, the, the really big one is is Liverpool United. You've already mentioned that Bruno Fernandes won't be available and it's always handy if your club captain can't play in one of your biggest fixtures the year. They went out of the Champions League last night, bottom of the group, losing to, to Bayern Munich. Wouldn't have really mattered anyway because Copenhagen won, but this feels like it could be quite brutal for United. It could be, but then I don't know. It's kind of like I I actually don't really know what to say about United now because okay. they they just flip from one thing to the other, don't they? I mean, they have lost. Obviously, they've lost a lot of games this season compared to compared to last season, and they are not playing well. But I, but you can just see them getting result against Liverpool, and then you know we talked about papering over the cracks. They seem to paper over the cracks every other week. Man United, 
I mean, they're away. The fact that they lost 3-0 at home is mad. They've lost 3-0 at home three times this season. They've lost as many games as Chelsea, as Brentford, as Fulham, as Bournemouth. Hmm. They, they just haven't drawn. They've not drawn. They've not drawn a single game this season. Exactly. Now, Liverpool's big stat is that they've, they've um, taken more points than any other team from losing positions. So a bit like Brighton, you know, if you've got Liverpool defenders, expect them to concede, but then also to score two late goals in sort of like the 70th to 90th minute. But they haven't been playing brilliantly. You know, they look a bit sluggish, a bit slow to creating chances. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, it's all looking like it could be a draw then. Maybe Man United will get their first draw of the season. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not particularly impressed by the team that's top of the league, basically. Yeah, I agree with you, but I think sometimes, this is so football cliches of me, but sometimes that's the team, isn't it? They don't look mm. great, but they somehow manage to, to get it done. And I mean, I definitely think for Liverpool, they, they could... I, I know what you mean about United. I definitely felt like that when we played them at Old Trafford before. The, like, the way they played against Bournemouth versus the way they played against us it was like chalk and cheese and I was like well yeah they cannot they obviously can find it in within themselves to like really pick up the intensity for games that they really think matters but then they just totally switch off again I do think this being away from home means that effect might not be as pronounced well it's a great game to finish off the weekend and we'll see where we are on the other side of it I mentioned last week that it's now just two game weeks to go until the December sacking in the Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League uh, and it's still very tight. And what I didn't tell you is that the person who's at the bottom, who looks favourite to go, because he's 10 points now adrift, even though it's quite tight above, you know, after that. And you know, 10 points, you know, you can salvage that in two weeks. But he's actually the person who won the league last year. So it's very sort of yeah. like Claudio Ranieri. Oh, but doing, we- but doing well in the Champions League uh, in Europe and Fantasy League. He sort of like looks like he might go through. So it's very much sort of like Claudio Ranieri, Leicester yeah. City vibes in that season after Leicester won the Premier League. But I'll keep you. I'll keep you posted, and we'll see if Please if Reese manages to hold on. Uh, but that's it for part one. In part two, we'll be with Barry Eyre and finding out about his league. So for part two of today's episode, we are joined by Barry Eyre to talk about his fantasy league, which has been going since the nineteen nineties and has. So much different things associated with it. He's just revealed to us before we started recording that he had absolutely boxes of the stuff that his wife forced him throughout a couple of years ago. Barry, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. I'm good, thanks. I'm really good. Looking forward to this. Just give us, as a start then, a little bit of an intro on your league, how it got going and sort of the history, I guess, of it to take it from the 90s up to where we are today. I first, I was a football geek and um, I've always been interested in not necessarily the the kind of the, the tabloid version of football, but the, the kind of the underside or the other bits of sport, if you like. And I saw this advert in The Guardian for this game and I thought, oh, that sounds quite interesting. And I think it got reviewed in, in a couple of um, broadsheet newspapers. So I thought, oh, I could, I could do that. That sounds like a, a fun thing to do. I just had to get a league together. So I had a mate across the street who I played Sabutio with. If you know what Sabutio is, it's a table football game. And uh, my brother-in-law lived around the corner and he was a Manchester United fan. So I'd got three and they also, they said, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And then I just had to find three others. So um, my next door neighbour, who I hardly spoke to because he was younger than me and he was a professional in, in a corporate organisation and I was just a 
you know, a lonesome freelance video director. And uh, I said, do you like football? And he said, oh, yeah, I'm an Ipswich supporter. So he joined and then one of his mates and another mate. So we ended up with six round my kitchen table in October 93, I think it was. We had no idea how it was going to work. Um, and our respective partners assembled in the house next door, looking after babies and drinking wine. And um, and that was it. And it, it started from there. And we had six people. It says here our first report was the 8th of November 1993. It hasn't stopped since then. We've We've still got four of the original members, although one of them did take a sabbatical for a couple of years in, in Bournemouth for work. We've had somebody emigrated to Wales, somebody emigrated to Scotland. But generally, yeah, we've, we've varied in size from that initial six. We went as high as 13. Um, we're currently at eight. And we change rules to try and keep interest. And we just have a really good time, quite frankly. But I never, ever ever thought it would go on as long as this jesse said that um that you told us that you you'd had to clear away loads of stuff but you are peering down you managed you have salvaged some stuff and obviously you've got your notes and some of those yep. old reports what is what exactly do you do you still have you mentioned reports there well so this you may you may have seen this which is the original chairman's pack so that was that came out. We can see it, but our listeners can't. Barry's holding up the uh, a, a chairman's pack. Oh, of course, which, uh... of course. So, so I've got. A, <laughs> sorry, I've got a chairman's pack, which was the guide, and I I also had a a, a players pack, which everybody got. We've got league report. I've got a few league reports, which used to come out in the mail every week. I used to manage my diary so that I was in a client's premises, so I could photocopy them <laughs> and and distribute them. I've got. A couple of uh, issues of what was called Fantasy Pink, which was a kind of like a newsletter that came out, like a, a pink sports newspaper. Yeah, generally reports and end of season tables. That's a good one. I tried to, I tried to keep a copy of each end of season table, but I've miserably failed with that. But I've got some some good ones that you know created some good memories. And we were talking about it only the other night. I took some down to um, a curry we had the other night and. You know, people were astonished at how many were in the league at one point. So, yeah, I got a whole load of stuff and I'm a bit of a hoarder. So um, these kind of things, you know, they pick up, pick up on memories and you remember people who were in the league and you think, oh, I wonder what he's doing now and stuff. So, yeah, so it's good. I think something that's really interesting, Barry, which is maybe a bit different from a lot of the people we've had on, on the show before is is almost the fact that this wasn't a group of sort of established friends who set up. It's almost like the league became something that helped bring people together. Abs- absolutely. that That's what has been interesting. I mean, there was, as I said, the first two people were a guy who worked in a record shop. They had lots of fanzines. So we had a football interest. And my brother-in-law, who was a Manchester United supporter, but I've forgiven him that a long time <laughs> ago. But the other three, we all lived close together, but we didn't know each other because there was a general, you know, 10 years in age or something. So, but then... When you mention football to somebody, it's going, oh, yeah, I, you know, I relate to that. And talking the other night, we were saying, you know, a, a few years ago, football wasn't talked about as much as it is today. And in, in certain circles, if you raised the issue of football, you were immediately classed as being some kind of hooligan or vandal or, you know, you wrecked trains at a weekend. So there was a kind of hidden undercurrent of, oh, he's a football supporter. But when you got talking to people about football, 
you realised you had something really in common. And and those additional three people that joined, I mean, you know, we've been friends for the last 30 feet. In fact, I play tennis with them every week now. So, you know, that's that's the power of, of the game, really. And, and I do see Fantasy League as being a really social thing to do well certainly for us it's, it's a social and thing. and you mentioned that you you met up for a curry on monday so i, I understand you you have the monthly you try and get together once a month for for a sort of like a monthly auction transfer window yeah sealed. so what we what we decided at the outset we would try and meet up once a month to do a transfer evening this is obviously pre-online and all that kind of thing so we used to go down the pub every wednesday night and argue over who could buy players and stuff like that and and we've tried to keep that going so on monday night it was our christmas curry but we try and do it every month we we don't do the online steel bids um, yeah thing we we just keep it very analog so i just keep a record of all the deals and then i go and input them on a monday morning or whatever and then we move on and um and we've had obviously periods where nobody wants to go down the pub and I mean, one of my favourite ones was just pre-COVID when I think Fernandez signed for United and there was only two of us in the pub. And the other guy who was there, he said, do you want Fernandez?" And I said, oh, no. And so he bought Fernandez, and Fernandez won him the title. So there you go. <laughs> so we do try and keep up once a month, but it, it's, um, uh, it has been a real, a real social thing, yeah. And I guess also as part of that, the auction is really a key for lots of people of that social element. Have you got any good auction stories you can share with us? Well, you'd probably be here till lunchtime if I could <laughs> tell you every auction story. I mean, for us, I think the auction is, and I think for a lot of Fancy League managers or Fancy League participants, the auction is the best night, without a doubt. I mean, we had an auction in the, at the height when we had 13, 13 people in the league and I hired a, um, an upstairs room in a, in a pub and it was like a smoke-filled committee room that you see in a 1960s, you know, gritty, earthy movie or something. And the pub delivered us, you know, sausage sandwiches and chip butties and things. And we were there from 6.30 till 11. And it was just how I administered it, I'll never know. I was a lot younger then. So, you know, 13 people, 15 players, all drinking. It was bonkers, but hilarious if you look back. I should have filmed it, really. It's, it's great. You kind of like almost have a, a checklist now, sort of like pub mention, tick, Auction day being the best year, yeah. being like Christmas day, the best of the year tick. So you're, you're obviously your you're seasoned fantasy league um, managers. We know that you've been playing for a while. And actually, we, we've got your the league table in front of us. And, and those who play the game obviously know that yes. people will, um, you know, when you win a when you win the league, you, you get the little shield next to your name with, you know, the amount of leagues that you've won. And you've all yeah. got, you've all got a little gold trophy next to your name. So you've all won the league at least once before. But people who've been playing for that yeah. long... Do you still find yourself sort of like learning about the game almost being like, oh, you know what, okay, next year I need to do this? And are you all kind of quite similar oh, yeah, I in think, that degree? I think we all do that and we all wind each other up, obviously. One of the things that we found is that uh, years ago there'd be a couple of people who'd come along to the auction, they'd go, oh, who does he play for? And it would be loads of guffaws because, you know, those of us who knew, we knew everybody 
But nowadays, we're the ones saying, oh, who does he play for? <laughs> People are looking for bargains and you don't know who the players are anymore. It's, um, it's really quite, quite interesting. I was intrigued listening to your the last podcast, the league that had 20 clubs in it. And he was saying, you know, if somebody gets a shot in on match of the day, then it probably means they're going to they're gonna get into somebody's fancy league team because they need so many players in that. And yes, our, our knowledge levels are are pretty high, but we, we still don't know enough. I mean, my view, I, I tend not to prepare, so I'll turn up on the night and and then panic after about half an hour and realise I need somebody who's going to score a lot of points, so I'll overbid for somebody. Somebody else, commonly known as Stato, for anybody who knows the history of Fantasy League will know who Stato was. Uh, Nigel used to prepare everything, and he won quite a few leagues early on. He stopped preparing, and now he, he's not won for a while. Paul is a a statist well he seems to be a statistician. I think his degree was in mathematics, so he's quite considered and he knows, you know, what he's prepared to pay for somebody and he will step out when it's not the right money. So it's there's different approaches to it completely. And I know also you said that some people have different approaches, but and we can skirt around this because obviously there's a little bit of an anonymity concern here, but yeah. I know you have someone in your league who maybe at points has potentially had more information than than other people. Well, yeah, that's the, yeah, it's quite interesting. So he joined the league back in the early days, then went off to to forge a career in um, in the game. At, so he works with various clubs and and governing bodies, but he he came back to us about seven. And I've never asked him why he came back. Actually, I must ask I must ask him why he came back. I think he just wanted to be part of part of the group, really, and part of the the crack, if you like. And he came back and immediately won it the first year he came back. So I thought, oh, maybe there is something in this knowledge of football. But uh, he hasn't won it since. And, you know, he regales us with, you know, little tales of football that we wouldn't get normally. So, um, but I don't think he's got any more insight and knowledge than any of us, really. He will sometimes say, oh, he looks a good player. And then consequently, somebody will buy him and he won't do anything. So... Uh, I don't think he has that much more insider knowledge than any of the rest of us, really. Uh, Barry, you said you had you know people who've come and gone, and 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 also you know trying to keep a league sort of interesting as it goes um, for, as it's been going for so long. You've tried different ways to kind of change the rules from season to season of what you can do, and yes. you, you've had some, you've done some interesting things. You know, you, it looks like you might you might have snapped back now to. It's kind of like normality. But do you want to talk about some of those uh, rules that you've put in place in the league? Because I, I find some of them really interesting here. I'd, I'd love to try a few of these. So, first of all, obviously we started off with the traditional, you know, going back 15 players, two per club. And we found as the years went on, it sounds terrible, isn't it? As the years went on. God, how old are we doing this game? So as the years went on, we found that there was a real split where you'd get two or three clubs really at the bottom and because we were all familiar with players and transfers and stuff that there wasn't much opportunity for people who started the league badly to catch up so you'd end up with two or three maybe four clubs at the top and the league interchanged and then the league was pretty much set from Christmas time so first of all we we tried reducing the size of the squad so we took the squad down to I think the first time we took it down to 13 and then we had one player per club. That one's really interesting. So that, that yeah. was quite interesting. I was really good at that. So I, I won 
I think I won three times with one player per club because I found it easier. You could put throw somebody into the auction and then once they've gone and everybody's got a Manchester City player or a Liverpool player or whatever, you've got a pick of a whole raft of people that are still there. So that was quite an interesting tactical game. We also introduced a local rule of having to have a certain number of promoted players, people from promoted clubs, because we found that obviously everybody concentrates on the top eight, the top ten clubs, but nobody was buying anybody from the clubs that got promoted. So it kind of came quite interesting that the promoted clubs, you were, you were kind of searching for somebody to get in the who was going to score you some points rather than just sitting on the bench all the time. You wanted somebody that would score you some points. So we introduced that. And one year we introduced, you had to give up your top three point scorers at Christmas and we'd have a completely new auction. It was pointed out to me the other night that the year we did this, we had one of our managers was actually fourth nationally. I don't know if you knew, but Fantasy League used to, give you a, a position overall rankings in an individual yeah. national yeah. table yeah, yeah in an overall ranking so one year one of our managers was fourth at christmas in the national table and we did have a debate as to whether we should continue with our local rule of giving up the three top scorers but as, as alan said the other night we still dismantled his team <laughs> God, i can imagine that happening in our league that would cause a lot of upset i think <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what else I... Well, I was just looking at my notes. We'd gone back to the 15 because it was our 30th anniversary, basically. So we went back last year. We decided it was our 30th year, so we'll go back to the original. But we kept the two two promoted players. So this season, last season and this season, we've had a squad of 15, two per club, and you have to have two players from promoted clubs. And how are you doing this season? I mean, I know because I'm looking at your league table, but for the listeners... Uh, Me, personally, I'm fourth. We have two people at the top who are... I think there's only two points between them. Mm -hmm. And then there's one just below them, about 18 points down, I think. So it's it's kind of changed in the last few weeks, actually. So we we had somebody at the top who was constantly 30 points clear from around September... In the last in the last few weeks, somebody's come kind of from nowhere, and they've been neck and neck for the last couple oh, of weeks. So. Harry, trust me, I know all about that feeling. <laughs> we also That's had our very our bottom, familiar. <laughs> we had our bottom of the table. He had thirty four points last week. I mean, I know it was a two game week, but he had thirty four points, so he came off the bottom. So that's added a bit of interest to the bottom of the table as well. So, yeah, you so can tell good. it's the seasoned league. You you know you know what you're doing. You've been playing all the time because it's quite tight. You know. There's there's quite a tight uh, points distribution between uh, top and bottom. You obviously got sort of like a few people at the top, a few people in in mid table, and then and then down the bottom. But no one's sort of like miles ahead or miles behind. I think that's a sign of a of a good league and and of people who know what they're doing. Well, let's hope so. I mean, I, one of the things that that I think I've noticed that before the before the transfer window was introduced, which was what twenty years ago, or whatever, maybe a bit less than that, there always seemed to be more players available during the season because there was always you know people coming up from lower divisions or overseas signings being made and and stuff like that but now we have you know really um you've got the auction at the beginning then you have the post september uh, the post transfer window in september that's a that's a good night you know we'll have a, a transfer evening 
early February after the January window closes where there's a bit more movement. But there's not that many high scorers or you know, regular scorers kicking around in the free agents list anymore. So it does make transfer evenings a little more pedestrian than they used to be, shall I say. Yeah, I think um, everyone sort of, I guess, the more people know and learn, I think that's that's a quite similar effect because you almost need a couple of people not to really know what they're doing to, to yeah, open yeah, yeah. up those things a little bit more. Absolutely. But, you know, these are, these are minor things. I mean, I think it is a, a brilliant game to play as opposed to... I've never played the Premier League Fancy League game, but it, it does occur to me that there's so many points kicking around with various things that... Um, I'm not sure that I would enjoy that one. And and having this, you know, the idea that everybody can't own Mo Salah, I think is the best thing in the world, really. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Well, Barry, thank you so, so much for joining us. Um, it's been great to hear about all your memories and experiences playing Fantasy League. Right, so part three, as ever, Neil Mansfield, welcome to part three. Welcome to the pod. Uh, how are you doing and how is your team doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right, thanks. Yeah, it was doing all right, actually. I think it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, because of um, my situation at the start and picking up the dregs, I've made more transfers this year than I think I've ever made. And I've probably been a little bit more, I don't know, what's the word, flamboyant with some of the, the, the sort of t- decisions I've made. So actually... It's beginning to pay dividends. I've bought in Palmer, Kudas, Gordon, McGinn, Decoure, Adogi, Tamiskas, and they're all doing okay. So actually this week I've got about 15, 15 or 16 points. I know it's a double game week, so that's still not brilliant. But compared to uh, both of your scores, that's not bad. <laughs> Sounds like Todd Bowley should hire you. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, to bring I... in loads of transfers and make it work. Listening to your rants early on, Chris, it's almost sort of like Gary Neville-esque and his sort of, you know, total <laughs> slating of United recently. So uh, I think I'll just stand back and listen. <laughs> um, what can you bring us from under the hood at Fantasy League HQ this week? Um, we hear there's been lots of transfers. You know, we speak about transfer usually, but there's been lots of um, lots of transfers for a particular player. Yeah, so so I, we don't normally sort of try and tackle transfers in and out every week, and we'll just briefly touch on it um, because realistically, this week, well, the big news, obviously, or last week, the big news was Pope is out for a little while. So there is an absolutely unprecedented number of people who have bought in Dubravka um, as a replacement keeper, either for Pope or they quite fancy uh, just bringing in, bringing in, you know, a Newcastle player, which I think is quite a brave decision. You've, they've got, I mean, you were talking earlier on about Fulham. I think Fulham are on fire. I think, uh, you know, I love the way they're playing. I love the free-flowing football. I think Jimenez is back to sort of, you know, his goal-scoring best. You know, he's going really sort of um, clever and cocky with his passing and, and nudges. So I think he's a player that sort of rediscovered his form. So Newcastle play Fulham, you know, on the 16th. Then you've got a really tricky game on the 23rd, you know, against Luton away. I think Luton are proving themselves, you know, uh, to be worthy of uh, of the Premier League. Then you've got, you know, Forest towards, you know, the end of December. And then you've got Liverpool on the on sort of um, New Year's Day. So I think it's, I think anyone who's bringing in Dupravka is is making a, a really brave decision and fair play to them. Um, but yeah, so that's really it from the transfers in and out. There's not much to talk about there. 
No, but you've got the to be is, brave with goalkeepers, don't you? Because I don't know who do you bring in. There's only been three goalkeepers who've got double points in Fantasy League this season. And one of them is Nick Pope, who's out. So I, I don't know who you bring in. And you, Jesse, you've had goalkeeper dilemmas of your own. Yeah, I started with Onana and then I brought in Robert Sanchez and he's got me minus 10 points. I'd have a, I'd still have a 12-point lead at least at the, the top if I hadn't brought in Robert Sanchez. But Onana um, then obviously is, has also shipped goals. So it just feels like it's almost impossible to figure out exactly who to go for. I was up against my dad, I think I said this already, but for, to get Sanchez and he ended up going for Ariola. and I've just checked and he's been on minus seven since he brought him into the team. Interestingly, he stuck with him even though we had an auction since and I stuck with um, Sanchez. But yeah, it, it's tough to, to know. And isn't there also a possibility that, that Dubravka might be injured as well? Very possibly. I mean, it, you, it's a really interesting point, Jesse. I, I mean, you know, my situation this year is is quite rare, you know, picking up from the dregs. But I've gone through Ariza Balaga, Vicario, Johnson, Flecken. Kelleher is going out this week and I'm going to bring in, if I can, I'll see your bids finish tonight. So hopefully by tomorrow morning I'll know But I've gone for an Everton keeper now. You know, Everton are one of the clubs in the Premier League with... I think Listening it's out- to part one, were you, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> we recommended it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I mean, he, I think he's been in for a couple of days for me. But yeah, absolutely. I think he's a solid buy. I think you've got to look at teams that have conceded fewer goals than Everton. I think there's only three. Is it Liverpool, City and Arsenal, I think, are the only three teams that have conceded less goals than Everton? So, yeah, I'm, I'd be looking at Everton players, definitely. Yeah, because it's not really about clean sheets. A lot of the goalkeepers have actually got quite similar clean sheets. There's so many who've got like four or five. It's actually about how few goals that they're going to concede. Mm. But anyway, that's mm. goalkeepers for you. We've had plenty of correspondence over the last couple of weeks. There was one uh, in particular from a man called Ian who said that he checked the video of the Canate substitution for Liverpool. And he says, I see that the BBC reported them in the wrong order. He came on before the penalty was taken and technically he should lose one point for the converted penalty. However, doesn't this go against the spirit of the rules? A goalkeeper, I would understand, or even if the penalty was saved and then scored on the rebound. But there was nothing in the rules of the game that Canate could have done to prevent the goal. So he was not involved or responsible for it. So basically, Ian is annoyed that Canate comes on just basically as as, as the penalty is about to be taken and then concedes a goal straight away. But that could happen in any instance for anything, you know. That could be like, a, it could be a free kick, it could be a corner, a, a striker coming on who's not involved in defending a corner or defending at all. It's just kind of the way it goes. You're not gonna, we're not going to start putting in rules that if you come on, you know, where do you draw the line? Sounds like sour grapes to me. I don't know what you two think. <laughs> I'm just loving listening to your rants. I think they're fantastic this week, Chris. No, I agree completely. I think uh, I love we love getting emails like that, and I think some of them are born out of pure frustration more than anything else. You know, I'm sure he did have Canati, and I'm sure he, did, you know, clearly didn't get his appearance point, so I ended up with minus one. So unbelievably frustrating. No, to be fair, I I need to clarify for Ian. I think actually he didn't lose a point because they were reported the wrong way round. Oh, I, mean, I see. That's a theoretical yeah. situation. So I see. I see. I see. Okay, but theoretically he's annoyed and therefore I'm annoyed at him for theoretically being annoyed. In the situation, in that situation, you know, you can have some sort of influence. You could, you could come on and you could, you know, you could start shouting and like distracting the players about to take the penalty. You could also be involved in saving it as he says off the rebound. 
Um, but yeah, sorry, it was a hypothetical situation. You're right. I was I was wondering that as I was reading the first part of it. Um, I think it's more for me. It's, it's such a bizarre. I why just wait until after the penalty. Yes. But well, yeah. That's one for Klopp, not one for us. Expecting the penalty to be saved, maybe, and for play to continue straight away. Um, and Neil, there have been like buses, not one but two uh, double assists come in this week. We don't see them that often, and we've had two happen. And in my league, there was a bit of, uh, not question marks over it, but just sort of like trying to understand what a double assist was because I don't see them that often. Do you want to kind of explain on the podcast? Because we do sometimes get people messaging in trying to work out what qualifies and what doesn't qualify as a double assist and basically give a bit of context as to why that rule was introduced and what what it was introduced for. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been in place for for as long as I can remember, Um, having been involved behind the scenes for about the last three or four years, certainly for that length of time and way beyond that. Effectively, this rule was put in place um, more so to cover in-swinging corners where there was a, you know, a, a little flick on from a player before that went to a striker who knocked the ball in the back of the net, you know, within the goal, you know, within the sort of the, the goal area. But um, if you sort of look at the way that actually it's written um, within the the rules, the two assists that we've awarded or the two double assists that we've awarded recently really fall into that category as well. So you're looking at sort of um, a slight, slight nudge where there isn't any sort of change to sort of the the horizontal plane of the ball. So, you know, um, if you look at both of the uh, double assists we've awarded, one was for uh, the Fulham versus West Ham game and the other was the Everton-Newcastle game. And both actually are almost, I don't know, miss kicks by two players. I think it will be for the Fulham versus West Ham game. I think it's McNeil for the Everton-Newcastle game. And they're almost missed kicks, but they definitely touch them. And both are awarded as assists. So we've got to sort of look at these in sort of isolation and, and look at the incoming cross. And we think, you know, both actually rarely sort of, or not rarely, hardly move on a horizontal plane. So both are justifiable for a double assist. I think it's 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 a really tricky one to look at because it, it can be quite contentious. But generally, we we sort of look at the rules um, that are outlined on the website, which I won't read. But what I will do is is tweet out um, so that everyone can just refamiliarize themselves with double assist, so that everyone is really familiar with it. But I think to answer your question, traditionally um, it was put in uh, to cover in swinging corners. Um, but there are some rules that will be applied, um, like the two that we've recently given. Um, where uh, those goals or those double assists will also be taken into consideration. So you're crediting you're crediting the cross basically because you know there's not that many points compared to other versions of fancy league. You know where to find them. You know not to play them. And it's a way of sort of like obviously the official assist goes to Dwight McNeil in the Premier League or an Opta or whatever it is. But it's a way of actually crediting Jack Harrison. Yeah, exa- um, exactly that. You know, it's it. it's you know we are trying to apply points. I think sometimes everyone thinks we're trying to take points away, but we're not. We're definitely trying to apply points, and um, but we have to apply them based on the letter of the rules that are written on the website. Because otherwise, we'll get we'll get more questions and irate, um, you know, 
tweets or, or messages from people if we don't. So that's that's what we've done, uh, applied it to the letter of the law, which I think is right. Ian might be able to come up with some hypothetical double assist he, moments that we can analyse in the pod. Absolutely. I, I just wanted to sort of, I don't know whether we're reaching the end of my part, probably just about. I just wanted to, to, to put a shout out to a guy called Viren Ram this week who manages a team called Chutzpah Athletic who actually scored 49 points based on the traditional uh, scoring sort of method, the default scoring platform. So it's really worth a shout out to Viren. You know, he's got uh, players like, uh, you know, Edogi, uh, Kanate. So it should have been, it could have been 48, basically, is what we're hearing. Um, uh, Decore, uh, Grealish, Pereira, Kunha. Gross and Rice, as well as uh, Jesus as well. So just it worthwhile um, putting a shout out to Viren. And we'll try and do this uh, if I can on a, on a weekly basis, just highlighting a, a team that's done particularly well, you know, and hopefully um, the, the most high scoring for the week. Yeah, that would be great to, to feature that every week and, and to find out about that then team. We it's quite a well-balanced feel team. feel worse about our teams every week, Chris, basically. Yeah, That's basically. How, I don't know how it made you feel. That just made me feel like, well, good for you, Viran. <laughs> yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, sometimes I see some... I click on these other teams sometimes where you see them in Europe and you're like, God, you try and work out how they play and you're like, how do you have Haaland, Salah... And Ollie Watkins or whatever, and you're like, there's obviously not that many people playing in your league. But this, this is that's quite a balanced squad there. You know, he's, he's, he sounds like he's picked some some good players across the board. It's not like it's it, he's just hogged loads of um, the, the 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 star players. Uh, it looks like it might be an unusually good week for him. But 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 well done to him. Absolutely not. I mean, he's got players like uh, Sancho is is still in his team. Danny Ings is still there. So um, oh, wow. yeah, absolutely. So this this is definitely not a. You know, a, a team or a league with uh, a small number of, uh, of players. So, for absolutely fair play, Jesse, maybe one day we'll be the featured team. My God, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? I think yeah. it's over for me this season. I feel like I had my high and I just didn't enjoy it enough because I thought it was going to roll through. Well, but yeah. it could still be you, Chris. You've not had your high yet this season. I don't could think. Could be. Well, I think I. Have. I, w- I, think I would just say, be braver. Be braver. Fun, Make some transfers. Make some sealed bids. I only have I only every two months, so it's hard. Oh, it is. It's harder to do all of the moving yeah. in and out, you know. If you want to be the featured team, then Neil will be back every week telling us who the highest performing team is. So it could be you as well. We'll find out who it is next week. We'll see you then. Thanks. Thanks. Oh, God, I said thank you. Thanks to Neil, Jesse, producer Simon, and Barry for joining us in part two, and we'll see you then. 